When I walk, you know, like I do a mosaic, it's long, of course, it's a walk of patience. You handle thousands of stones and you develop uh, special uh, instruments with your mind to know where to put the stone without thinking, you know, you act. But what I like is like, I walk like an animal in the sense that, you know, like I feel like an insect using humble, things from the nature and then assembling to make an incredible structure or something. So this makes me closer to nature and I understand. And this is why I say, yes, we can go back, use the most natural elements and then also look in the future. Hi, this is Sarah with another episode of Materially Speaking, where artists and artisans tell their stories through the materials they choose. Today, Mike Axon and I are in Liguria, a region of northern Italy bordered by sea on one side and densely wooded mountains on the other. Here, the air smells of salt from the sea, minerals from the rocks and pines from the hills. Liguria is well known for the Cinque Terre, the pretty town of Portofino, and the grand and gritty capital, Genoa. Today, we're meeting Gabrielle Gelati, a specialist in the regional art of pebble mosaics, which often adorn churchyards and aristocratic gardens. For many centuries, Genoa wielded enormous power as a maritime republic and was considered one of the wealthiest cities in the world. We met Gabrielle in a city park called Campo Pisano, where Genoa once beat Pisa at the Battle of Meloria and confined more than 9,000 prisoners. After showing us the mosaic he's repairing there, Gabrielle gives us a passionate walking tour of Genoa, ending with 150 steps up shiny slate stairs to his studio. Inside, we find geometric paintings on the walls, a large assortment of pebbles and oil paints, along with pots of powdered paints, lapis lazuli blue, and a strange brown powder gathered from a meteorite. We ask him to introduce himself. Hello, I'm Gabriele Gelatti, like ice creams, eh, but with double T, so Gelatti. <laughs> I'm a professional mosaic maker. Actually, I'm specialized in these uh, pebble mosaics. I'm artist, I produce new design, so I try to put tradition together with a new vision of future. Can we find out where you were born and a little bit about your Childhood. I was born in Genova. Eh? I live here. <laughs> Actually, the story of my family, if you want, is linked to the books. Eh? My father was a book merchant. I was born <laughs> in the middle of culture. As a young man, if you want, uh, I do many different uh, art activities, but I always pointed out uh, knowledge of materials, like I was a puppeteer, really? <laughs> creating my own puppets in wood, <laughs> like the Chinese. Oh, see. I can see one over there, yeah. yeah. Did you go to art school then? No, I did uh, school in humanities, but uh, I always trained by myself. I prefer to deepen my theoretical knowledges, because if you have it inside, you practice always. Humanities and the science uh, going together, okay? 
So in this field, uh, the knowing of materials and uh, the sensibility to use them to make something artistic. In the humanities, was there a specific concentration that you studied? Actually, yes. I studied a lot uh, the history of art. And then by practicing, you know, also photography, I was a good printer in the <laughs> wet photography period <laughs> epoch. And uh, I like uh, minerals, so I discovered a lot of the world of colors. Today I paint, actually I paint after a long time, and I create uh, special mandalas, images that are based on uh, studies on golden ratio, golden number, Fibonacci number. What is the difference between beauty and sense, intelligence? You know, to my eyes, is not so far away. This is funny because if I think about my mathematical passion, uh, you know, the word calculus, calculus, okay, calculator, actually is from Latin and calculus meaning little pebble. So everything is linked. It was very fun walking the streets with you. Uh -huh. Were you in these streets when you were young, when you were a boy? Yes, yes, yes. I actually, I know Genoa very well. I know the shortcuts, I know the secret stones. <laughs> I like this town, it's very nice. But I'm an observer. Genova, maybe was my teacher in this, because uh, the perspectives are always override, that they teach you to change perspective, you know, to observe things from different angles and then to receive uh, the right image. It's the same when I go and look for pebbles. How do you know that that pebble is the, is the good one. Maybe it looks, you know, on one side looks good and you turn is, is not good. But then I think it's something like that. It develops this sense of watching things from uh, different angles. What I like about my work is not the mosaic idea, but uh, is really the material, the pebbles. Pebbles that are natural, that are coming from the beach. You know, Liguria is a strange, uh, region because it's all coastline, but is probably the greenest region in Italy for the amount of woods, of valleys, of mountains. So when you go to the beach and look at the pebbles, actually pebbles tell the history of a landscape. You see the red pebbles coming from a place, the green ones, the, uh, the white, the gray, the blacks, is a description not only of the places of origin, but also of the process. Because when we collect a pebble that we recognize as a good pebble for the mosaic of pebbles, and uh, so as to have certain, uh, of course, qualities, also we think about uh, the description of this landscape. Is the mountain falling down? Is the stone arriving to the streams? Modern rivers in Liguria, we don't have big rivers, so okay, it's mountain streams. Then. Uh, Maybe they dry almost all the year and then suddenly there's a flood and then a lot of material is moved. And then with a long time it arrives to the beach. And of course the sea finished the work that was started by the water of the streams. With my enterprise I do both uh, new mosaics but I also do restoration of antiques. If we work for private, I buy stones. There's a, actually a worldwide market, uh, starting from Italy, of uh, pebbles. <laughs> so, of course, I select the best uh, pebbles. I always look for stones I can buy. 
but of course if i have to make some restorations with special permissions by local authorities we can go on the beach and like in the past take the stones from there when i say that to friends oh, today we go to the beach ah, lucky you <laughs> lucky you yes but <laughs> i feel lucky but uh, i promise is one of the most tiring part of my work not because of the stones you have to bring and carry that is heavy okay but this is secondary is really the concentration that is demanded to find the right stones between billions of stones in the same beach what are you looking for the perfect stone has to be okay we have to talk about the technique when we put the stones we don't just lay them down we plant them we stick inside like nails okay so the stone is deep so you have the head that is is like an iceberg imagine an iceberg then uh, of course you, the pebbles have to be straight on the edges because you have to put them next to other pebbles very close they touching each other so if you have strange shapes is not good okay also because the head has to be comfortable to walk over in this moment the big restoration i am finishing in genova in certosa chartreuse how do you say chartreuse there is a chartreuse in genova with a big cloister in front of it and actually is the oldest mosaic we know is from the 16th century and is also very big because it's 800 square meters so in that mosaic of course is so precious is so important that we have financing from the ministry of culture so is a cultural treasure you can't buy stones okay you have to have the same stones so to find uh, the right spots also the right beach where this stone is coming from you know is not easy easy and also when we go and collect so we collect the black and white we have normally white drawings on black backgrounds black stones are special because they were all selected in the past uh, quite flat and long elongated so you have to look for that shape that size but also what happens is that after centuries of people walking over it even if the stones are very strong or very hard materials they were flattened down by the passage so it's difficult because you have to find this kind of pebbles with the head that is naturally flattened down on the beach we find but is hard to find in genova luckily we still have a beach just black stones for the white we have to travel 80 kilometers away from genova we go to lavagna beach where there is a long long beach with all colors gray red is typical from lavagna too but again looking a bit not too white not too shining because actually stones they have a surface oxidation so we look for yellowish stones is hard work so that is why i say it's very tiring because uh, it demands an amount of concentration that you really feel exhausted at the end of the day when these works are overseen by cultural heritage do they care if the stones come from here from liguria actually today is kind of demanded can we talk a little bit about how you learned your craft of course with pleasure i met armando my maestro that was very important uh, person he could really transmit uh, the passion of uh, the, his work but uh, also this element the landscape so for me the pebble is part of a landscape 
So what can be a difference between, uh, say, my epoch, not me in person, but my epoch and my master's epoch, is that uh, in his epoch it was all oral transmission. Today we have other instruments. We have scientific uh, research, uh, the study of materials, but the problem is still that, to protect the skills. All this kind of heritage is at risk. So my passion was also that, because since I'm a child, uh, Genova is full of these beautiful works, because actually today the mosaic of pebble is associated to the churches. In front of the church, uh, any church in Liguria, <laughs> you find. So it became a popular art, but uh, when it was born in the Renascimento, it was a very aristocratic art in the sense that the pebble was used to create these beautiful artificial grottos, uh, ninfei, gardens uh, for the aristocratic families, creating these beautiful buildings, uh, palazzi, villas. And then uh, there is also a philosophical uh, interest because uh, it's a moment in which they rediscover the ideas of Plato and then the transformation, the metamorphosis of nature. It's quite, uh, you see, it's quite alchemical idea, okay? So when they create these uh, mosaics in this villa, they use pebbles amongst uh, other natural materials like shells, corals, crystals. Uh. But from the mid-16th century, that is the one in Certosa, in the big church, there is not one religious sign, not a single. You don't accept uh, the seven stars of the Chartreusian order. If you look, there are so 36 squares with different drawings. They depict the geometry, but uh, most of them is symbolic ideas. You will see the dragons, you will see the mermaids, <laughs> you will see the moon and the sun considered like you know, opposites, like alchemical opposites. You say, but why this? You know, it's strange. Actually, it's because inside this uh, Certosa, the monks were the sons of the aristocratic families. So they share the same culture of their origin and they had also the money to do that, you know, studies. They could go on and then it's sure that there was a circle of this kind of esoteric meanings. These uh, themes you can also find in later mosaics, like the one in Palazzo Reale, we see the moon and the sun. In Genova, many things that we call Genoese today, you know, somehow are coming from abroad, from the overseas. And then they became, you know, again, elaborated here and find the local shape. I just want to come back to the origins of Campo Pisano. Campo Pisano, as the name says, is from Pisa. Why? Campo, middle, no field originates from the end of the war between Genoa and Pisa and is the Battle of Meloria, is the end of the 13th century and Genoa is the winner of this battle. The square that is very picturesque is today is covered with this traditional uh, mosaic that was made by my master in the 90s by Armando Porta, that was my master. Actually, it's a beautiful work because uh, they managed to create a nice square, but uh, in that epoch, uh, the materials are kind of lost. In the 90s, early 90s, an old person like my master, for sure, he couldn't Google for the good lime, <laughs> for this kind of thing. So they did it 
how they could, but it's a good result. Campo Pisano is an uh, important uh, place to see in Genova and uh, is linked to these famous battles. They kept many prisoners brought to Genova and, uh, of course, the important prisoners were treated very well and put in half-comfortable prisons, you know, because they were asking money back. So amongst these guests, we had, for instance, Marco Polo, that is Venetian, famous Venetian, but uh, he was in the battle, eh, in the Meloria battle, and then he was captured by the Genoese. They knew that it was Marco Polo, brought to the prisons of uh, Palazzo San Giorgio. To say from something bad comes out something good. The normal prisoners from the battle were thrown, put in this kind of lager. I don't know, we can't imagine, but it was probably uh, open air lager. And uh, I think that the, the end of these people was not very happy because my master said to me that when they were digging there, actually they found the bones, okay. And uh, every year they make, a, it's incredible, but they make a celebration. The major of Pisa, the major of Genova, they gather in Campo Pisano and they celebrate the peace, <laughs> the peace between the two. <laughs> when do they do that? Is that in the summer? I think it's in springtime. Spring, how nice. Yeah, yeah. So what is your project there now? I saw that you were putting little pieces in. Actually, the little square is very visited and uh, had the problems of solidity for technical reasons, okay, water running underneath. Eh? So they had to destroy a part of it, and then we are going to make it again. In the meanwhile, I'm restoring also the main drawing that is an historical battleship from that epoch, Galea, Genovese. And also there are some flags. I think we have Genova. Then we have uh, the flag of the Castello, that is the historical town. In any case, what we want to do is bring that square back to a beautiful situation, okay, because it really deserves. For instance, if we go and see this uh, first uh, Genoese mosaic that suddenly appeared in the Rinascimento, made of pebbles, we see that the style is very special. We see that they use, uh, for the black background, a very special style, putting the stones, the technical definition is opus spicatum. It's like when you put the stones... Fishtail? Uh, oh, fish tail. yeah, so like herringbone, I think we might call it. But then, uh, next development of the Genoese mosaic was kind of lost, this uh, practice. What happens is that if you go to southern Spain, you find there's a pebble mosaic tradition, especially in Granada. I was just going to say that the story of Genoa is so much about the trade and the travel and how this is a very big melting pot here for ideas and energy. Well, actually, to your point, I wanted to ask about your assistant, Justin. So why Justin? Justin is special. He's a refugee. He's coming from Biafra, from Nigeria. But I was making a social laboratory and then amongst, you know, People say, wow, this guy <laughs> is something special. I don't know, maybe it's just a gift. Maybe it's because uh, in his own country, in the village, you know, they, uh, people is accustomed to do things with their hands, you know. In our Western world, <laughs> it's like you can't do anything anymore, you know, kind of. So uh, it's a different perspective. If I have a team, like 20 people like Justin, we can destroy and make Campo Pisano in one month, you know, well done. 
you have to worry about keeping the art, maintaining the art alive, and also instruments to pass it over to a younger generation. Can you take us through briefly the process? So you've gathered your pebbles. For a normal mosaic, you have 10 to 8 centimeters of bedding. Then you can trace a drawing. If you want, you can create, you can compose as you like, and then you put the pebbles. Pebbles are like nails. So you stack them inside and you also look for the comfortable side. You want to walk on it. It has to be comfortable for your feet. And then, okay, imagine you are creating a wall. Eh? You translate it to the floor. You go in front of you, you create a line, like a line that is growing, 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 growing. But and then you have possible change of stones, different colors. You want to make a border to your drawing, depends. You try to be regular, as regular as you can. You don't put one stone down, one up. You also check that the stones you insert are not too tight, for instance. When you will flatten down, the shapes of the stones can go one over the other, and then one stone will trap the other next to it and push it down too much, okay? That is difficult to recuperate, okay? So you have to put them very close, but also regular like that, so you're sure that it will go down all together. Because then the final passage is you flat it down. Do you hammer it? How yeah, do you yeah, hammer I hammer it? it. If you by mistake walk over the mosaic in that moment, you will make a disaster, okay? Hammering down is gradual. You know the level you want to arrive, but you have to do it gradually, all over the surface. So you don't start only from one corner and want to make it perfect there because then it will go down and up. So gradually you make one passage all over the surface, you make another passage and then again and again and then all together you arrive to have the final level that is very, very solid. So you have to make it to the perfect level so that you can see the stones but it's solid and no dirt will go inside. When you're hammering, is there a sound that lets you know that it's good? Yes, more than a sound. What I know is that when, I always say it's not a matter of strength, it's a matter of precision. Okay, so what I know is that when I hammer and I see that there is not the slightest bit of a millimeter going down, doesn't go down anymore, stop. It's incredible. It's a work you observe very little, little things like little plants, little insects, little <laughs> so you have a vision of details, but yes, you feel it. That is perfect. That's wonderful. Incredible. Can I say another thing? Because the lime is very important. The production of lime mortar is amazing. Different limes you can make, different materials you can add, and then different use of these is, is incredible. So there is a circolo virtuoso. A virtuous circle. <laughs> Grazie. Circolo virtuoso because, of course, you burn a stone and then you emit heat, anhydride carbonica. What's it, carbonica? CO2. And then what happens when you put this material back in, uh, at work, okay, you want to use it, then the material will harden in time because it will suck back the CO2 exactly the same amount. It takes carbon out of the yeah, air. from the air, from the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. 
So if you just think about it, it's just one good reason to use lime, of course. Okay. Right. When I work, you know, like I do a mosaic, it's long, of course. It's a work of patience. You handle thousands of stones and uh, you develop uh, special uh, instruments with your mind to know where to put the stone without thinking. But what I like is like I work like an animal. In the sense that I feel like an insect using things given ready from the nature and then assembling to make an incredible structure or something. So this makes me closer to nature. And this is why I say, yes, we can go back, use the most natural elements and then also look in the future. So thanks to Gabriel for a great interview and delicious trophy pesto lunch, which we ate on his terrace overlooking Genoa's rooftops, shipyard, and in the distance, the Italian Alps. You can discover more about Gabrielle on his website, mosaicidiciottoli.it, or on Facebook at facebook.com mosaicidiciottoli. Thanks for listening. As with all episodes, you can find photographs of the work discussed on our website, materiallyspeaking.com, or on Instagram at materiallyspeakingpodcast. If you're enjoying Materially Speaking, Please subscribe to our newsletter on our website and we'll let you know when the next episode goes live.